0: Steve,
1: happy Monday. I uh,
0: heard you're a little sore.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: a little sore. Got out and did a fun bear hunt with uh, my buddy Tyler Boschman. This uh, just a literally a quick 24 hour. Got out, uh, met him Friday at noon, and and started hiking at about 12:30, and then got out at one o'clock on Saturday afternoon with a with uh, fortunately a, a big old black bear in the pack. So Heck, it was a fun yeah. fun trip. We're gonna get Tyler on and discuss it further. Um, it's about as much adventure as you could cram into the 24 hours as possible it was pretty fun so unfortunately i am on the the hunt for another shoe i <laughs> those <laughs> innovate rock light uh ones they're super light you know and durability was the sketchy part of it but uh they performed absolutely beautiful for me until i got back to the truck and looked at them and they have already got a big old slice through them so uh it was pretty rocky, rough country and, and definitely asking a lot of the shoe, but I'd expect it to hold up for one trip at least. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So seeing photos and videos of the country you guys were in, it doesn't shock me that you would have a durability issue with a super lightweight shoe. Um, on that terrain though, you're still happy with with how they performed, grip and all that?
0: I Yeah. I, the grip was fantastic because it was really rocky. Yeah. Um, just really rocky country and just, we got cliffed out one time where we're literally working our way down just like, you know, holding on to rocks and uh, whatever was growing off the side of the hill, just keep from sliding down the mountain. And and the grip was phenomenal. Um, And uh, yeah, they, they worked great. I was really, really happy with them and feet felt great. The whole trip got a little hot coming down really steep. Uh, Once we got the bear in the packs and had to, we had to drop down about 1500 feet, which was just about, You know, as steep as it can get. Um, Feet got a little hot there, but that was it. And performed absolutely beautiful. But that's the downside to lightweight stuff. You're not going to get three, four seasons of use out of it, that's for sure. But you
1: hope at least one and not just a trip.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can tell you're all excited because you just dropped an F-bomb, which is you're normally so good at turning it off, man. Now I'm going to (laughs) edit (laughs) it. Steve's excited. Uh, I like it.
0: Yeah, uh, it was a fun trip. I had a blast, man. It felt so good just to get out and get some fresh air, get in the mountains, you know, sleep in a tent for a night. It was great.
1: We'll chat more about it. We'll get Tyler on and, and dive into it for sure. Um, yeah, let's hit some listener cues. We're kind of short on time this morning. Have a lot going, and actually a a podcast scheduled, so we got to get crews in here. Um, actually, first we'll hit this a good tip, I guess, from a listener. You know, we've been doing that pack essential series. Uh, we recently covered. Um, food, water, cooking. This week on Wednesday, the Pack Essentials series would be all about the hunt specific gear. Um, so things like kill kit, knives, game bags, all that we'll be talking about this coming Wednesday. Um, but follow up on the food, water, cooking, we had a lot of questions and feedback and kind of clarifications on the water filter stuff. That's always, it always surprises me how that's such a hot topic, water filtration. But um, you know, one guy had some good things to mention. We talked about The Fast Fill adapter kit, and you basically cut your hydration uh, tube to put the quick disconnects in for that. And he just said a good tip there is to when you make the splice and then insert the hardware from the kit to basically use zip ties as little mini hose clamps at those connections. Um, I haven't had to do that on some tubes, and on other tubes I have had to do that. I guess just the tolerances of how soft or you know the inner diameter of that tube but i couldn't remember if we mentioned that in the show and that'd be worth mentioning for sure um if guys are installing that to use zip ties there and then he asked do we ever use pre-filters for the sawyer squeeze and then do we ever pack the syringe to back flush the sawyer squeeze while we're on a trip
0: i I never yeah i don't have a pre-filter i've thought about it a couple times just throwing like coffee filter in um usually you're filtering pretty clean water, you know, but if I knew that I was going somewhere where you're, you know, you're filming or you're filling up out of like a, a lake that's going to have have a lot of sediment in it or something like that, or uh, a really muddy little pond type thing, then, then I think that pre-filter is a great idea. The Sawyers do clog up relatively quickly when you're, when you're filtering super dirty water. So I definitely make an effort to um, when I'm filling up the dirty bag, usually, you know, I'm, I find a little stream, right? And I try to make a waterfall. Uh, so I'll kind of move some rocks around or whatever. So I can just put that there. And once I do that, I'll, I'll let the stream flow for, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, just to clear out all the debris that just kind of kicked up while I was moving rocks around. So I'm getting as, as clean as possible water in there. Cause it's, I've definitely noticed, um, times when I've had to filter really dirty water, you know, just lots of dirt and, and stuff that gets in there, uh, that the filter is going to clog up. So In that scenario, I've, um, you know, to be honest, I used to be really good about back flushing and using the syringe. Uh, I would just do it after every single trip (laughs) the Sawyer, like we, so we use the new, um, I believe it's called the micro. Um, they have a a may, which is kind of worthless. I tried one for a little bit. It clogs so fast and the flow rate is really slow that it's just not worth the, you know, one ounce of weight savings or whatever. Uh, so then went back to the standard and then they came out with the micro either last year or the year prior and it, and it works great. I honestly, they're so cheap that I just use two a season and I just stopped messing with back flushing them. Um, so I'll have one for like say September and then, and then another one in October. And, um, you know, you could definitely, if you back flush after every trip, you can extend the life of it, but it, it's, you know, essentially, uh, I think that, you know, you could probably find them on sale for 20 bucks, nineteen ninety nine. So it's it's such a cheap thing that um you know that's uh most dehydrated meals now are $14, 15 bucks a meal so you look at twenty dollars for a water filter it's it's uh, a pretty low cost there so in the effort uh in the interest of just having really good flow and um just be as easy as possible I just go through to a season and and just consider it a, a consumable good versus buying, you know, a hundred, $150 water filter that you're trying to, ha- you know, have last uh, quite a few seasons for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I typically don't pack a syringe on a trip, but I pre- am pretty good about trying to just back flush it after every trip or even before a trip. If I, you know, go, Oh, I can't remember if I back flushed this after, you know, last time I'll just do it before a trip. Um, and it definitely helps for sure. Um, it's also noticeable, you know, I, cause I've Tried to extend the life of mine quite a bit, even though they're relatively cheap. But then you go to a new one and you're like, holy cow, I forgot how good this thing works, you know, <laughs> because, you yep, know, that yep. it basically just backs up over time. It's not like it just stops working. Um, you just get slower and slower flow and you kind of get used to it. And then you go to a new one and it's pretty amazing how fast they are. Um, but yeah, same with you on a pre filter. You know, worst case, you can use a shirt. You can use all kinds of stuff if you just get into a desperate situation. But most of the areas I'm going into is good running water i'm not as you said getting it out of standing um sources when you said coffee filter it also made me think uh you know on a good number of trips i'll do the gravity packs from dark timber um and then you basically have that little bit of trash right that's the the little basket or the little filter it's like oh you could just totally shake one of those out and keep it in the pack and then basically that's dual purpose your trash into a pre-filter that's a great idea. I like it. I'm going to start doing it, man. <laughs> I didn't think of it until yeah. a minute uh, ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: on the uh, the uh, fast fill adapter kit, the tubes, yeah, I've definitely ran into some. Uh, just depends on the manufacturer of the thing. I think they're all trying to hit a standard inner diameter, but yeah, I definitely have some that are super loose and, and some that are super snug fitting. So just, uh, I guess if you see it popping off, yeah, have a little zip tie in your pack and you can tighten that up and then you definitely wouldn't have any issues. Um, let's see. I had a guy write in asking
1: about, uh, he says, I heard you guys mention training with sandbags for weight and your pack. What types of sandbags are you using? I've seen a lot of different workout bags on the line. Have you guys used those before or have any other suggestions? Um, so i hit that on two fronts. One is the beauty of sand can be that it's just cheap and easy. So you don't have to go buy anything specific, literally go to the home store. Buy a bag of play sand for $3. Um, you know, if it's leaky, I have a bag that I've just taped up a bunch and I use that in my pack a ton um, just for pack weight. I do have one of those workout specific sandbags that he was mentioning. Um, I know that Rogue's making them. There's quite a few companies making them these days. I've had one for, gosh, probably six years, I think, from Brute Force, which was. One of the first companies kind of making those specific bags um, for workouts. So I do have a brute force sandbag. I do use it independently, um, you know, for workouts, but then also throw it in the pack as well. One of the things I do like about it is the version that I have. You have the sandbag itself, which is like the shell. And then they basically have their fillers, which is what's holding the sand. And I, I don't remember the specific model, but mine came with two... Uh, filler bags, one larger, one smaller. So I essentially have one. The larger filler bag has 60 pounds in it. The smaller filler bag has 20 pounds in it. And so it just makes it really easy if I want to go from 60 to 80 pounds to be able to do that. Um, or I'll take uh, the 60 pound bag and then add, you know, a little 10 pound weight plate inside of it uh, to make it 70. So it does make it easy to scale with those. And they are really helpful um for workouts if you do a lot of at home stuff which i do um but steve any other tips on sandbags specifically or just
0: good items to use as pack weight yeah i mean i have not found anything better than sand well actually water um but water is such a pain in the butt yeah that uh we've got our if you have a like 3200 um and then you have a dry bag you just fill that thing up and it's uh it was actually it's great workout because that water it's kinda like acts like meat but even amplified where it just kinda squishy and shifts on you. So when you're hiking, you're using a lot more um sounds funny, but you're using a lot more stabilizer muscles than you think that just because that is just moving on you every time you take a step, right? Um and so water's been the best thing, but it's it's such a, you know, inconvenient thing to do and um you just gotta fill that up and hope it doesn't tip over or leak and uh, something like that so sand is definitely the cheapest easiest best the one thing I do is is I try not to have the sandbag like I've seen guys take it and just wrap the ever living crap out of them with duct tape and and really turn them into like a, a brick they get really really hard my preferred ones are, are sandbags that are just very loose um, and I'll just slap that on the frame panel and strap it down so that um, again it's acting more like meat and it's it's less um, you know, it's not as hard and more just kind of pliable. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, but that's it. Yeah. it's I've probably got six or seven sandbags in the garage, just got over the years for you know, different testing or whatever. And, uh, yeah, they're always three to $6 and, um, just going to last you forever. They work great. They don't do any damage to the pack. You know, some guy, sometimes we've seen guys strap dumbbells inside of it and, well, wow, that's great. Um, you know, especially a metal dumbbell is going to have some hard edges and, and rub on things, and um, rather just yeah, much rather have you use sand.
1: Yep, yeah, and we got, I mean, customers using all kinds of stuff from dog food to pellets for their smoker to water softener salt. I mean, there's endless options, I guess, on what you can load on the pack for frame. But like you said, Steve, the most important is anything hard, um, such as a weight. You just want to make sure it doesn't have edges when a lot of the metal dumbbells do. If you're doing like a rubber coated dumbbell, you're probably fine. But um, yeah, small edges on that stuff can be abrasive and and tear. Speaking of, I don't know if you have much experience on this, Steve, and I'll say up front, I have zero experience. So this may be a dud question for us to answer. But this guy basically wrote in, was asking, uh, he uses a stove system, does some later season hunts. So it's a packable stove, but... He said, even when it's broken down, those parts, um, you know, they're hard, they're oddly shaped, they're sharp in some places, and they also seem relatively fragile. So do we have any advice for packing in a stove, um, you know, a tent stove in our pack systems? Um, Made me think of, you know, this question as we just talked about those sharp edges. Like a, a fireplace stove? Yeah, yep. So he's running like a TP in oh, okay. a wood stove. So okay. yeah, not a not gotcha. a jet boil. Gotcha. A wood stove. Yeah, was right. um, talking about a jet boil at first. Yeah. So that packs down. He's saying, you know, those components are sharp and oddly shaped, and basically what's the best way to pack in um a packable wood stove on the pack system?
0: Yeah, interesting. I don't know. Uh the one time that I've did it uh was helping a buddy on his mountain goat hunt and he had a seek outside thing and the whole stove just fit into this um I'd say it's, it's like two or three inches kind of deep, eight inches wide and 12 inches tall or something like that. And it was in this little Cordura bag with a zipper on it. Um, so I, it was just all in that little package and I just put that, um, i had already had my pack completely loaded. So I just put it, put it in the load shelf area of the pack and, and sucked everything down and off, off we went. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what Stovey's got. If, if it is, yeah, I would suggest you want some type of you know little bag to put that in and then whether it goes inside the main bag or or in the load shelf that's probably going to be the best way to do it but um yeah i I would uh there's some definitely sharp little titanium edges and things like that i wouldn't just want to throw that loosely in the pack for sure so got it
1: um another question on small details i never think about so i kind of like when this stuff comes up um you know i never think to cover it or talk about it i guess but this guy wrote in and said, I'm starting to compile my gear for upcoming hunts, and maybe this is a silly question, but what do you guys use to be sure you wake up before dawn and get to your glassing points? Um, I can only imagine how worn out I, I will be and not wanting to get out of my warm bag. The alarm's not going to help you want to get out of your warm bag, Steve, but what do you use for an alarm if you're you know, on that schedule and want to make sure you're up and uh, at it before daylight or you're just naturally waking?
0: Yeah, the best thing that I've had is, um, my watch. So the, I think the Garmin, my instinct has it, um, the watch, I used to have like a Casio or Timex or something like that back in the day, set the alarm on that. And then the alarm, um, actually vibrates. Um, so it's, it's on your wrist and, and vibrates. I've tried using my phone a couple times, uh, but there's been a few times where, uh, the phone got like tucked underneath the pillow or kind of sandwiched in between some things. And even though it was going off, it wasn't like loud enough to wake me up cause it was pretty muted. Um, so the best luck I've had is with that watch and it vibrates. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely, you just got to set that alarm and hope you hear it. So, cause you want to, you know, you could everyone's got their phone with them nowadays, but you want to keep that thing, um, with your body inside your sleeping bag. Just if it's cold, right. If it's going to get below, you know, uh, in the 30s, uh, if you just have that laying out in your tent, that the cold's going to kind of zap your battery much faster than you want. So you got to have that with you, and, and yeah, it's a really good chance that uh, it's going to get muffled or something like that and not wake you up. So that that vibration on the on the wash alarm is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, we've talked about this, but it kind of goes along the same lines. Just do all your prep the night before. Um, getting coffee ready and things like that. If it sounds like he's like me, I'm, I don't want to get out of my bag in the morning. I'm grumpy. I just want to sleep in. doesn't even matter if it's opening day and I'm excited. I'm still just like a, a grumpy SOB in the morning. So, um, I do everything the night before that I possibly can. I mean, even this weekend, like we're Tyler and I are both, you know, sitting on a fire, getting ready to go to bed. And I started prepping, getting my jet filtering water for my jet boil. And so I can have my coffee right away in the morning, got my breakfast kind of laid out. So all I got to do is roll over and, and get things started and um, you know that, that stuff just goes a long way for me personally in the morning to to get me out of bed faster
1: yeah same for me uh, watch is good um, I wouldn't overlook you know if, if you're a hard sleeper a lot of guys sleep lighter in the backcountry too you um, know because they're not as comfortable or you know especially newer guys like just kind of the concern so it's ne- not necessarily as difficult for some guys to wake up but Um, don't overlook, uh, just a small travel battery operated alarm clock. Even if you're backpacking, if you're a super hard sleeper and you're concerned about this, there's some that weigh like three ounces, I think. Um, so, you know, may seem overkill just to pack it, but if it's an issue for you, you could consider packing that for sure. Um, yep. So as mentioned this week on Wednesday, more pack essentials, uh, talking about those hunt specific items and then this Friday. We have another firearms-related episode dropping with Hammer Bullets. Uh, it's guys out of Montana making mono bullets, solid copper bullets, and we talk with them about uh, why copper, why monos, and then why hammer bullets specifically, and really dive into um, their design, their approach, and uh, it's a company that probably a lot of you guys haven't heard of. I hadn't until somewhat recently, and it was really cool to get their story, so that'll be coming Friday as well. If you guys have any questions for us for future episodes, just send us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. We'll talk to you soon.